We are the tribe from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, on a shorthanded Tubs of the Club staff. Don't worry, COVID's not running through us right now. I think we have a mix of people moving, just being out of town. I had car trouble, which is why we're late. But it's the dream team back together from basketball season. I'm joined by everyone's favorite producer, Dallas Hammer. Alex Boatman's probably going to join us by phone in a little bit. But before we talk about anything else, Dallas, how's it going? I don't know if there's any devastating sports news. I mean, Gonzaga won, but we like Gonzaga. Yeah, I mean, Gonzaga's going to win the whole thing, which is cool uh, for them. Uh, that team is stacked. Um, for me, I'm still sitting through the crippling depression of rooting for the second-worst team in hockey. But uh, other than that, hey, the Vandals are 2-1. and one. I don't remember the last time they were 2-1, and one, actually, uh, because I've blocked most of the last decade out of my head. So that's exciting. It's been a long damn time because even our last winning season, 2016, we we opened up with a narrow win over a very bad Montana State team, but then we played UW and WSU in years where they were both strong. And yeah, we weren't two and one in 20, 2016. So I guess you have to say this is heights some of us haven't seen early Vandals for almost a lifetime, at least uh, a lost decade or two, let's say that. But uh, before we go into the details of the King Spud game, what we're going to call the King Spud game, I know ICCU calls it the Battle of the Domes, but none of our listeners give a shit about Battle of the Domes. It's the King Spud game. Before we go into anything you can possibly think of other than wherever the King Spud trophy is, ain't nothing like cracking a mom Tucky cold snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born in majestic big sky country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky Cold Snacks donates 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho, supporting organizations like CW Hogs and Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw! That's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, the light American lager for pow pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do-gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out how to get, yeah ass, some snacks. And it's around the bar time brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. Dallas, we we already did a response to the SUU game. But before we talk about Idaho State, now that we're a few days away, do you have any any closing takes on that uh, 33-32 game? That I mean, look, it was, that was certainly a fun cell game. Southern Utah is much better than a lot of us thought. But anything changed from you between Saturday and today? Not really. Um, still hoping that we're shocked and we get to see CJ Jordan play out the rest of this season and maybe the next four. Uh, that's really all I can think of is I really want to see that kid play more. That, that's that's my hope for the rest of the season is that we get to see him again. Yeah, I've got nothing else to add except that, yes, CJ looked great. <clears throat> Nikhil looked great. Um, the this Idaho team has talent. The the downside for us is that, I mean, good news, bad news. If you like good football games, it's good news. If you like wins, this is bad news. Almost none of the teams we thought would be terrible, other than Cal Poly, who I think we thought might be okay. And spoiler alert: if you guys don't know, Cal Poly, after getting just killed by Eastern Washington. They mercy ruled themselves for the rest of the season, and Cal Poly is done playing football. Which, I mean, we aren't going to play Cal Poly anyway, but every team in the big sky who's playing the spring season, if they're not already strong like Weber State, if they're not surprisingly strong like UC Davis, they're showing significant growth. Southern Utah, who we just saw as an example. And this week, we have Idaho State, Dallas, who they closed last season looking honestly as bad as any conference team I can remember. They... Their last win was October 19th in 2019, mm-hmm. and they lost 
They got their ass kicked in a ton of games. Matt Strzok, we made jokes about it. If, if not for Jake Constantine, Matt Strzok would be the guy we joke about from 2019. Two touchdowns to a ton of teams, including Idaho. And in the offseason, Rob Fennessey, we, we've talked to Andrew Houghton, the beat reporter. Rob Fennessey, coach for Idaho State, said he believed Idaho State 2019. They were a quarterback away. And I know when I heard that, I laughed my ass off because of how bad they looked. But fast forward to this season, Dallas, maybe Fennessey was right because Idaho State looks pretty tough. Yeah, I mean, they're they're one and three, but honestly, they of all the one and three teams you could face, this is probably the scariest one. Uh, their three losses are to number four, Weber State, number 13, Eastern Washington, and number 15, UC Davis. That's what the, the ranking at the time they played them, by the way. Uh, they could be 0-4. They beat Southern Utah on a last-second field goal, but uh, they hung in there with UC Davis. They they had them up until eight seconds left. They let up a touchdown right at the end. Uh, they almost had Eastern as well. Eastern had to score late to put it away. I think it's still only a four-point game. Uh, really, Weber State is the only game that wasn't close. They have hung with everybody they've played. Uh, and spoiler alert, there is a very good chance that they, they cream Idaho this weekend. Yeah, Idaho State has no losses to teams outside the top 25. Like you said, number four, Weber State at the time, number 13, Eastern Washington at the time. Honestly, that game, uh, Eastern Washington, Idaho State, that was week three, where Eastern looked like they were just in the midst of trying to face plant the way of the season. But it turns out, no, Idaho State's just pretty solid because we've talked about on this show, Idaho was certainly shorthanded against UC Davis, uh, no question. But UC Davis also... Uh, in my mind, dominated in spite of not taking the lead till the end. I, I that was one of the weirdest games I'll ever see because UC Davis punted twice. They they should have been beating us by more than they did, but um, UC Davis pulled away and late in that game, Idaho State hung with UC Davis, lost by four points. Except UC Davis had to come back to beat Idaho State in. I don't know if that was in Pocatello. I don't care if it was in Pocatello. Anyway, UC Davis, Idaho State, real close game. And that leads me, this this might feel like a similar conversation to also we had last week, saying Southern Utah might be the best bad team that, in the league. I think we have to reframe this of it's not best bad team. It's there's not really a ton of bad teams in the league. Southern Utah, we just, we told you guys, Southern Utah is going to be a much closer game than you guess. And we easily could have lost the game in Southern Utah. Now a ton went wrong for us to, to keep it competitive, but I mean, would you call you'd, you'd have to say Idaho state and Southern Utah is pretty dang close to a draw in terms of talent right now. Wouldn't you Dallas? Absolutely. Uh, you know, Chris likes to, to bring up the whole Southern Utah's 13 seconds away from being four and O well, by that same logic, Utah state is, 33 seconds away from being three and one and looking like they were going to the playoffs because their only loss is to maybe the best team in the country. Um, obviously that's not how things work. They're one and three. Their season is effectively over. They have no chance at the postseason, and the rest of this is for feel good points. But when you're coming up against your, you know, your rival, the battle of the domes as the ICCU tries to put it. I like King Spud or even better. The, uh, the battle for the sexual predator potato trophy. Um, I, this is a this is a scary team. Uh, I do think they don't match up as well with Idaho as Southern Utah did, and we'll get to that. But as for, for as for being a quarterback away, the quarterback play for Idaho State has been a, a about 180 degrees from it, where it was last year. And when you have a guy like Tyler Vanderwall, Vanderwall that we will talk about, I'm sure there is an honest to god shot that they could crush Idaho this weekend, and that scares me. We might as well just jump off right there with going over who the heck Idaho State is, what names to pay attention to. And the name to start for Idaho State, just like almost every team in the conference who is not Eastern, they've got a new quarterback. Tyler Vanderwall, transfer from University of Wyoming, took over, uh, won the battle, quote-unquote battle, from Sagan Gronauer. He was the backup for Idaho State in 2019. He was terrible. So, I mean, that's why I say, you know, scare quotes around battle. But uh, Vanderwall, 303 yards per game, second uh, sec- second leading passer in yards per game. Ten touchdown passes, six interse- interceptions. You also have to factor in, now when we talked about Justin Miller from Southern Utah last week, Southern Utah, they have really one of the easier schedules so far in the league. Vanderwall is putting up 
pretty good stats Dallas against only ranked teams in Southern Utah. And that's really uh, Vander Tyler Vanderwall is really well where the offense begins and not to, not to mix everything together in terms of offense and defense, but Idaho state, you talk about the matchup being a little bit different for us. Idaho state defensively is not close to as strong as Southern Utah, but they certainly can, they they score absolutely just as well in spite of having played a real tough schedule, Dallas. I want to go back to the Tyler Vanderwall discussion real quick. You mentioned you know, his, his numbers aren't quite as great as, as Justin Miller's. Uh, he's only got 10 touchdowns to six interceptions. He's completing under 56% of his throws. Uh, he's taken 15 sacks in four games. If you look at the Big Sky Conference, Number one, two, and three in pass defense, UC Davis, Weber State, Eastern Washington. So he's played the three best defenses in the conference. Uh, he's His numbers might not shock anyone, but he gets to carve up the Idaho pass defense, which is conveniently the worst. Uh, they have the same yards per game as Cal Poly, and Cal Poly just became coward Poly. Uh, so it's not great, uh, but this team scares me. Brian, uh, I don't have any other way to say that other than this team is is not terrible. Let's get that. Let's get to that point in a second. I want to go through a couple more players just for uh, for listeners to pay attention to. In addition to Tyler Vandewall at quarterback, Idaho State has uh, <clears throat> returning running back Malachi Rango. He's the number three rusher in the league, seventy nine yards per game. 59 attempts over three games. So he's actually Malachi Rango is one of the few guys who's getting close to a full workload, which is, is unique. Him, Yulonzo Gilliam at UC Davis and Josh Davis at Weber state are really close. To the only three running backs who are getting, you know, in excess of 15 yards per, sorry, 15 rushes per game. Everyone else is spread, spreading it out a bit. Uh, Rango, two touchdowns for four yards per rush. So of the leading rushers, he's towards the, the bottom in yards per rush, but he's certainly getting touches. And then we're not going to be able to talk about their, um, you know, passing in Tyler Vanderwall without highlighting that Idaho state has two of the better receivers in the conference. We have Tanner Connor, who big sky podcast network. He was our non quarterback offensive player of the first half of the season, averaging a hundred Hundred receiving yards per game. They've also got a uh, Jalen Henderson. He's a, their number two two receiver, averaging fifty two point five yard yards per game, but eleven point seven yards per catch. So, in spite of losing a lot of talent last season, we don't need to go over the all the individual stats of the guys. But they lost Mikey Dean, really good wide receiver. They lost Mitch Guller, a really good All Big Sky level receiver, and they've still. I mean, Rob Fennessy's done a relatively good job of, you know, considering what Idaho state is, he's brought in some more talent. We're going to bring in Alex, the boat boatman here. Uh, boatman, how are you doing guys? I am by the Columbia river driving back to Seattle on a little pullout by van Washington right now. So figure I'd stop in for a few minutes, give a few takes. I know it wasn't on Sunday. Um, stayed up in Moscow um, just had, had a good time after the game, so we'll be able to be around. But um, quick thoughts on the game last last Saturday. Man, it was great. It was awesome because I was right by you two. So we, we had a lot of in-game debrief, so that was that was fun. <laughs> um, and you know, the defense like has struggled. I think missing Trey Walker and playing nickel the entire game really kind of hurt our leadership out there. And people go, well, how does one player make that much of a difference when that one player is like a top five middle linebacker in the entire FCS? It's going to make a huge difference, right? Um, I, I think he just, we struggled for some leadership out there and on calls that really hurt. Um, but you know, I'm happy the offense finally got moving. Really happy for Nikhil and Thigpen, man. Like I, I, I know both those guys from my time there. I remember when Thigpen blew out his knee, um, spring game in 2018, and it was brutal. Like that was that was one of the more brutal knee blows I've seen. I mean, he had like multiple surgeries, um, was out for a long time. And so I could not be more happy for someone like Thigpen or Nikhil, who they both deserve that game and earned that. And that was awesome to see. Awesome to see Cottrell bounce back, too, after some drops, right? Like, that was great. Uh, kind of looking forward to Idaho State this Saturday. Um, 
I, I usually my pick against the spread. Idaho is a seven point favorite, so do with that as you will. I like the Vandals. I was I got it right. I bet against the Vandals last weekend at plus eleven or South Southern Utah plus eleven. I was right there, but I I actually do like Idaho in this spot. I really do. East um, Idaho State's had two back to back emotionally draining game emotionally draining games, losing in the last minute. Meanwhile, Idaho's both games this year have been emotionally uplifting. Their two wins have been emotionally uplifting, and and those are those go a long way, right? Like that means a lot to a team. Like you, it really start to feel like so Utah probably has in their head now, like we cannot win a close game, and that will haunt them the rest of the year. Idaho had that in our head in 2017, and that still haunts us four years later that we just could not win a close game. Like that's still in our head four years later. Um, football's a weird psyche game like that. I think the defense with getting Trey back um, is going to be massively improved. I think we finally started to see the defense settle down, only allowed 10 points last uh, second half, last game. And I think that was good. Um, our defense needs to play. They allow Our defense is not allowed more than 30 points in a game this entire year. Usually you're going to put yourself in a good spot to win in that moment. Or we got to say allowed 30 points against Southern Utah, but that was in the field one in the last minute there. But uh, – I really think our offense, even if it's Beaudry starting, if it's CJ, if it's Nikhil, whoever's starting, I think this offense finally has a little swagger about to it. And like I said, guys, what I've been preaching for like the last four weeks, establish the run game, establish the run game, and look what happened when we established the run. We had a little more better vertical passing. Guys were more one-on-one. And I think we can take advantage of a subpar Idaho State defense. They're not great. I think it's going to be a very similar team to Southern Utah. And I think Southern Utah, it, they're both very evenly matched teams, right? I think they have both above-average offenses and below-average defenses. Um, yeah, I, I, I like our spot. I think we got a little swagger going with us finally to Pokey. And, and I texted you guys this other day. Idaho State released their uniform combo. It's the same uniform combo uh, they wore against us in 2018. I was talking to some guys after the game, um, and they were like, we hate Idaho State. Like, we hate Idaho State. We're in the Eastern and Montana. I think this kind of goes back to that 2018 year. We're just feeling like, just like really embarrassed and pokey. And I, I think for some reason, this core, this core group of Idaho players, this is the game they get up for. They get up for Eastern, but like this one, they really just want to get after Idaho State. This one, they want to beat their ass. And so uh, I, I think we could be in for a, a good Idaho game on Saturday. So Alex, we were just talking. We went through a couple handful of Idaho State guys to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Tyler Vanderwall, one of the better, one of the best looking new quarterbacks. Malachi Rango, real solid running back. Tanner Connor, one of the better receivers in the league. What you, I think what you're telling me right now is Vandal fans should expect there to be a, an intensity to this game that might feel disproportionate relative to other teams because Idaho, Idaho State, to the players on this team, it just meet regardless of how fans feel about it, this is a different game to the players. Right. It just, I think, you know, the few fans that are in the stands on Saturday, they'll, they'll feel that. And I'm hoping we have a good amount of vandals in the stands down in Pokey, make, drown out the Bengals, and they're going to feel the intensity. Um, man, after the after the Idaho State in 2019, Brian, I, I, I mean, it was homecoming, which means a lot, but the guys really wanted that game. And they were so fired up and they just were so happy they kicked their ass, right? Like it just, it wasn't close. They, they loved that. And, uh, I think in Idaho State get, loves this game too. They, for example, I went out for bumper plates and helmets. Idaho State puts 208. They try to claim, you know, they're the state of Idaho, right? And so, we're, even though we're super far apart, we're closer to shoot. We're closer to like four different schools in the Big Sky than Idaho State. We still share that weird in-state rivalry aspect. And uh, I think if I like I, I touched on this preseason, I rank Idaho State as where our players think as more of a rival than even Eastern um, and Montana. I think those ones are getting there with Eastern and Montana. But kind of out of the gates, uh, it just kind of started out real, real sour grapes in 2018. So there's uh, this is Idaho State's biggest game of the year, regardless regardless how the season was going to go. And Idaho, uh, I think they know they can't take any game lightly now. I think that was good to get scared by Southern Utah, right? It, it can't just be, hey, we're going to roll Southern Utah, Idaho State, NAU, and try to fight with fight it out with Eastern again. It's going to be we have to go into every game prepared to just battle. Um so I do actually kind of like this in the spot a little bit more because they kind of had that scare. They kind of had that feeling where, holy crap, uh, we're going to lose this game, but they still never actually believe they're going to lose that game, even with Nikhil at quarterback. So, Boatman, you mentioned 
thinking this is going to be a closer game and that Idaho has got to learn to play close games. The last two times this this rivalry was played, they were not close. Huge blowout, obviously, that you were a part of that didn't go our way. The next year, we kicked their teeth in over homecoming. How do you see this game going this year? You know, in my preseason, this was a game that kind of has a trap game for us. Uh, that was back in the original schedule block of um, where we were supposed to go and who was supposed to play. Uh, so the Utah is also better than I thought. I think we can all say that. So Utah is not, what, 20 seconds away from being a 4-0 and football team, which is just wild to me. But um, I, I, this game, I think it could be close. But, again, I'm picking Idaho. I'm, I, I gave you my, pre, my pre-score predictions when I stopped earlier, Dallas over Texas, and I said 35-24 Idaho, right? I, I, I feel like this game could have the propensity to feel like it could be close. But I think uh, in the end, this game has kind of shown that one team just kind of runs away with it in the end so far. That's what we've seen. And, and I think that's what it could be again. I think if we play our card and kind of play close in the third quarter, keep or keep a – we're ahead by a score, you know, ahead by three or down by three, I think we could – there's a potential for the barn doors to be blown off. Um, and I just like our leadership, I think, a little bit more. Like we have just a little bit more of those senior leader guys, right? Those guys like Trey, those guys like Logan Floyd, those guys like Cottrell – Guys who's been around a while. Idaho State's a pretty new program, pretty new team. They have a lot of newer guys. Um, so I guess I, I'll take our leadership over theirs, and I'll I'll take that leadership to to buckle down, and then finally just kind of blow the barn doors off of them. Yeah, one of the things I think Alex, you brought up that I guess from the vandal from the vandal end, why you in spite of it, I think this game is going to be close. But one of the things I think you should look at about. Um, trying to translate our last last game to this game is against Southern Utah. A lot of stuff went wrong for Idaho, and we still held on. And that is just not something we've seen a ton uh, since Idaho has been in the big sky, which is to say this team does have a little margin for error uh, when we're not playing you know, a UC Davis, maybe in Eastern Washington. And defensively, Idaho State's going to give us a margin for error. They're one of the weaker defensive teams in the league, Heading into last week against UC Davis, they had their best defensive showing of the season. But uh, prior to playing UC Davis, they were giving up seven yards per play, which uh, outside of Cal Poly, and what Cal Poly does can only loosely be described as football right now. Outside of Cal Poly, that's the uh, the worst defense the league has. The pass, in their past game, they give up more than eight yards per play. They're almost at 10 yards per play heading into UC Davis and, you know, you touched on it already. We, we actually don't know what we're going to see from quarterback. I know Paul Petrino on the Johnny Ball game show jokingly talked about prepping for three quarterbacks. Obviously, he's not going to play three quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that this, this is a game that Idaho, again, we're going to have to score over 30, which we've only done once this year. And I think a lot of that, it starts with a run like you talked about, but it also – is going to have to be Idaho has to exploit secondary of Idaho state, which is what every team that's played Idaho state has done this year. Yeah. Yeah. I know he's, I know, I know Paul, I mean, I know he's going to play close to best with how his quarterback situation. Um, Right. He's just, that's who he is. He loves to, he loves to make it, keep everyone guessing. Right. That's just what he does, which is good. If you're Idaho, like I know something Utah had no clue that they were playing CJ Jordan until they walked out there in the dome at like 10 o'clock on Saturday. They were like, Oh crap! Who is this guy? This is not what we practiced for for the last two weeks, right? So Idaho State, man, they got to prepare now for two different style of quarterbacks: Nikhil and Bojie, pretty similar style, and who they are more pocket passer, more pro style, or CJ Jordan, who we saw putting dudes on skates on Saturday in the dome. Like I don't think I've seen an Idaho quarterback do that in a long time. So now, if you're Idaho State, what do you do? You know, I have a feeling who he's going to play. Um, I think a lot of fans would love to see C.J. Jordan, you know, just kind of take over and run from here. A, I don't know how hurt he is, um, hurt his ankle. I heard he already did come into the game a little banged up. I think just kind of his first year of college balls is wearing on him, right? That's going to happen naturally. Even though he hadn't played, he's still practicing hard. Um, don't be surprised if, if it is Mike Beaudry's job to lose. That's just my my feeling. It's always kind of been like that. Um, so... When it comes to that, I still think I, I was I was always kind of you think about it. Beaudry's first two games, the first game, first game playing over a year and a half. Second game, he's missing two starting offensive linemen. It just wasn't it was wasn't great. He still had it. We still thought he improved. I thought we would have seen him if he would have played this week. 
I think we would have seen still a very good performance from him. I, I, that's kind of my that's my thought. If we do see him on Saturday, which I think we will, I, I think this is going to be his best game to date for Idaho. It should be. This is the best recipe for success he's had. It's going to be the weakest defense he's faced. He'll do the most completely offenses played up until that point. Finally have a little momentum kind of going forward. Um, he is the leader of the offense. Um, but, shoot, if it's Mike Beaudry, C.J. Jordan, or Nikhil Mayer, I don't think we felt this great about a quarterback situation in a long time. And, I mean, again, like I said happy for Nikhil. And if C.J., you know, plays here and there sparingly the rest of the year, sparingly, man, Idaho fans have a lot to look forward to. So, I think I think we're in a good spot. I bet it's Beaudry. That's my just guess. Um, and I think I think I'm I'm picking him to have the best the best week he's had um, so so far. And Idaho's going to put up 35 at least. Yeah, Alex. Alex, um, Dallas predicted the same thing that Beaudry would be our starter uh, on Big Sky Big Takes, which everyone should be downloading relatively soon. Yes. And I I absolutely like if Beaudry. I, I don't mean this to sound critically of, of the guy. I mean, it was his first time back. I know that CJ and Nikhil certainly looked more impressive in their, when they played against Southern Utah, but uh, look, if Beaudry's going to look good playing against a team that gives up 8.7 yards per pass playing against the worst pass defense in the league, other than us in Cal Poly, that's going to be the time he does it. Right. Right. Yeah. Week three, you know, week four, four or five of the season, um, week five of the season, week, game three, more familiarity. I think that's maybe that's why we saw Cottrell drop a couple balls. He's been getting more catches off of Beaudry and practicing in game. So that changes things up. Timing, timing just changes. Um, I think, you know, if it was against Southern Utah, I still think Beaudry has a good game. I think just kind of more practice, more time in the offense, more watching film. It does not hurt anybody, anyone. And so, yeah, this is the game that we need him just to pop off. Uh, before we head up to Cheney next Saturday. Um, but I, I'm super excited. I think uh, I, I'm picking the Vandals this weekend. Um, I, I, think, I, hope, I hope I can watch it. Um, yeah, I, I hate I hate the Bengals. I just – that's a crappy dome. And I'm going to give you guys a little tip. We're flying there the day of. We're not flying down the night before. I kind of like that move. And now they can fly in and out of Pullman, the Pullman Airport finally, after it's been renovated. Um it's an hour and a half plane plane ride. Games at three o'clock Eastern or three o'clock Mountain. Shoot, leave Moscow at ten a.m. You're down there, plenty of time. You're good. So, I think guys will be happy to spend the night in their bed, feel more comfortable, and feel just a uh, little refreshed after that nice little plane ride down to Pokey on Saturday. Well, listen, guys, I got a couple hour drive ahead of me. I'm happy I was able to hop on. Happy I was able to give a few takes. Enjoy the rest of the night, guys. Thank you, Boatman. Always good to talk yeah. to you. Oh yeah. You know, and Dallas, that's probably a good point for us to transition over to what I, what I call keys to the game. So when you're, you're looking at this game, Dallas, we haven't given our predictions yet. Of course, what's the first matchup you, that when you're thinking about this game, you think Idaho has to have this go right, or Idaho has to exploit this. So the first thing that comes to my mind is, the Idaho offensive line against the pass rush of the Bengals. Uh, it's obviously, I mean, hot take alert. You want your quarterback to stand up right and not get hit. Uh, shocker. I'm blowing the world here. Uh, Idaho state has six sacks in four games. Uh, they do not have much of a pass rush. It's nothing like I'm not going to attempt to say the linebacker from Southern Utah that, is actually the guy who hurt CJ Jordan, the, the guy we were all terrified of. That's basically their version of Trey Walker. Idaho state doesn't have a linebacker that is everywhere and, and doing everything they have. Uh, they have really not a lot. They have one guy that has multiple sacks on the season. Um, they have uh, Connor Willis who does have a bunch of tackles, but he's, he's not much of a pass rusher. That's the first thing that comes to my mind is, is the offensive line going to give, I'm assuming, Beaudry enough time to look good? Because I think, like Boatman was saying, Beaudry, if he plays, he's going to have the best game he's he'll have he'll have had up to this point. And I think that's the key. If if he's got time, I think he's going to look a lot better than he has. You just had me doing a deep dive in like tackles by Idaho State guys. None of the name Idaho State doesn't have any returning all big sky uh, guys mm-hmm. in the roster, and it's 
honestly talking about their defenses, how they perform defensively is there's not a whole lot to really brag about. We're talking about the other than us, the worst pass defense team in the league. Their pass defensive efficiency is second worst in the league. It's actually worse than us in pass defense efficiency. As far as rushing defense, they're kind of middle of the pack, but part of that's because they're getting killed in the past so much. I mean, if you look at yards per rush, they're giving up 4.8 yards per rush. They're tied for the most rushing touchdowns they've given up with nine. This is a team that, in spite of the UC Davis game being kind of lower scoring, Idaho State, this has just been their MO under Rob Fennessy for more than a year, uh, probably three or four years now, is they need to score a lot to win because they're probably going to give up a lot. So for me, you know, Dallas, we, we have got to really look like the second half version of Idaho against Southern Utah, where we're not only, uh, you know, we're, we're hitting intermediate passes and getting yards after the catch. That's how, that's really how we beat Southern Utah through the air is we weren't throwing these like 50 yard bombs. We were getting, 10-yard passes, getting yards after the catch, which is similar to what Southern Utah did against us in the first half. But second, we're also getting getting production on the ground as well. So my, I guess another key to the game for me is Idaho does have two very narrow come-from-behind wins, but I think it's incredibly important in this game. Da, you know, Dallas, um, Alex talked about the idea of momentum, about how this game is going to mean a little bit more to players than maybe fans understand or fans fans eventually come around to it. But for the, the players right now, this is the key rivalry. In neither of the last two Idaho-Idaho State matchups was there any sort of comeback. So I think for Idaho, it is important to not start off looking wretched like we did against Southern Utah where we are able to paw back eventually. I think this is more like I mean, honestly, it's about to say Eastern Washington. We came back from Eastern Washington Mercer, toward, towards the end. I think Idaho has to start out a lot faster than we had previously because I know, look, I know Southern Utah is similar to Idaho State, but just in terms of how Idaho State has been able to hang with good teams the entire season, I don't think Idaho can afford to start out slow like we did against Eastern. I don't think we can afford to start out slow like we did last week in Southern Utah. I think if we're going to win this game, we probably take the lead early and hold on to it. Yeah, I mean, again, hot take here, but that's going to be the way to win this game. The team that starts first and starts fast is going to be the team that wins. It doesn't matter how close this game is going to be or how much of a blowout this game is going to be. I think the team that gets to 10 points first is the team that wins this game. Uh not, I'm not saying you score 10 points and you win. It's just the, the team that scores 10 points first is going to be the team that's on top of the whole game. Uh, last year, Idaho won 45-21, had three defensive touchdowns. Uh, Colton Richardson had probably his best game as a Vandal, uh, threw for two touchdowns, ran, ran in another one. Idaho had a 24-0 lead uh, at the beginning of the second quarter, early in the second quarter, uh, and then you know ended up blowing them out by 24 points. The year before that, when we lost 62-28, to ISU was up 28-7 at one point. I think it was even 21-7, 14-7. It was, it was close, and then they pulled away, and then obviously they just poured it on at the end. But it's going to be the team that starts first, and it's Idaho has to come out better than they have. It's not been awful to start the games, but we have to see some extended drives. We have to get into the red zone. Idaho still perfect from the red zone this year. Uh, hopefully it's going to end in some touchdowns, but points are points. They are going to have to score first score fast and and keep up because the problem is Tyler Vanderwall is going to throw all over the Idaho secondary. Yeah, he is. And if you look at the la- last year's game, which I, I think it's way too easy for Vandal fans to generalize from last year where we won in a blowout and not factor in that three defensive touchdowns never happens. And if it happens once, hey, enjoy. It's not happening for the rest of your life. If you subtract those defensive touchdowns, that was a competitive football game. I don't, obviously we're not going to get three defensive touchdowns because this, def, this Idaho defensively has re- – we expected Idaho is going to be relatively strong on the, on the defensive side of the ball. And Trey Walker being back is going to mean a ton. We paid attention last week. We talked about it. Charles Ocano is clearly playing his way back into shape. And you can maybe expect he's going to con- continue to be more effective as the season wears on. But our secondary was extraordinarily unimpressive against Southern Utah. 
And you can bet Rob Fennessy, who has no problem throwing the ball around for most of the game, is going to look at that tape and he's going to say, you know what, uh, Tyler Vanderwall, if you look at Vanderwall's stats, he he does uh, go deep a little bit more than Justin Miller. I'm, I'm not only talking about overall stats, I'm just talking about completion percentage where where uh, Vanderwall's at about 56%, Miller's over 60 but that's part partially by design because fantasy does not mind going for the long bombs. We remember from Tanner Goler a couple of years ago. Heck, that's where Matt Struck's wrong team touchdowns come from. So I I think that's part of why getting off to a quick start, I think, is real important. Is then we we have more to play for in this game, Dallas. Idaho State's not making the playoffs. They're probably playing for respect at this point, which they've should have earned already based off how they've handled. Uh, a, a schedule of only ranked teams in Southern Utah. But Idaho's playing only playoff games at this point. If we're going to make the playoffs, we, we don't have any losses we can take and getting, not having to come back is a big deal for this team. For us to say this team's a real playoff team and turns the corner, we're going to need to have a game where we impose our will on someone. And I don't think we've done that once this year, though we look better than previous seasons, Dallas, our games have been universally close and they're games where really either team who won is going to point to poor luck, essentially like Southern Utah is probably going to point to how is possibly going to point to uh, a couple interceptions that they, d- that, you know, you, you take those away. They're going to win this game easy. Idaho yet yeah, last week can point to, well, Cottrell had drops that aren't typically going to be there. If he doesn't have those drops, we win by at least two scores we need to have a win where it's there's no there, it's not questionable like with Eastern Washington where you can point to Eastern Washington drops. Idaho just needs a win where there isn't any any discussion at the end of okay, well we had these we had to have these things work in our favor. If we're a playoff team, we need to beat a team where we actually control the game for you know more than the last ten seconds. Absolutely, and not to look too far ahead um, because it's the one thing that terrifies me that Idaho could be looking ahead to next week. Luckily from what Boatman's saying, uh you know this is now the the hated rival. Uh it's no more FUBSU, it's FUISU. Uh which is great because next week is Eastern and that's that's the put up or shut up. You have to win that game otherwise there's realistically no no chance at the playoffs. Um obviously like you said, every game from here on out has to has to be a a victory, but if you go in, you punch Idaho State in the teeth, you win by double digits, and it's never in question, and it's just it's 60 minutes of domination where Idaho State has legitimately no chance to win, that is I, that is the only way Idaho's even got a puncher's chance against Eastern next week because you can guarantee that they are going to do their business against UC Davis and be looking at Idaho as we should not have lost that first game, all of those drops, all of the guys we were missing, most of them are back. Most of them are not going to be dropping passes like that. They are going to be ready to cream Idaho on the red. So being able to hopefully put together a 60-minute game where all phases look really good against ISU, that's the whole key to hoping for the postseason. And the last point before we get into predictions, Dallas, that I want to I want to go over for a minute is – I, we talked about how important Southern Utah was in terms of differentiating us from, you know, part of the conference in terms of showing that corners might be turned where we were favored and we still won in spite of this not being a premier. Southern Utah wasn't a premier matchup in any player's mind, not a put down to the Thunderbirds. It's just that's that's how Southern Utah's understood. I'll put them down. You know, I'm just not going to put down a team that we barely won. We won on a very late play. Southern Utah yes. dominate. Southern Utah, just like I said, Idaho is walking away saying we should have won by two scores. Southern Utah is doing the exact same thing. Idaho State, I think this is similar. Of Paul Petrino's teams these last couple of years, the emotional state has dictated performance quite a bit mm-hmm. in terms of getting up for teams or not getting up for teams or showing up at home, not showing up on the road. Idaho's got two games after this. And if we've, I think it's incredibly important for Idaho to finish at least 500 this season. 
that means we have to win two out of we, we have to win wait we're, we're two and one so we need to win mm-hmm. at least one to get to 500 we need to win two out of three to finish four and two and on the right side of 500 if i know loses this game i would be floored if we see a rebound performance against eastern washington so to me, the the games that the the rest of the season's health in some reason does does dictate is going to be dictated by how Idaho does in this game, which is part of why for the second week in a row, I think weirdly against a non Weber State non Eastern Washington team, this is one of the most important games I've seen for an Idaho team relative to how it's going to dictate the rest of the season since we've been in the Big Sky. I couldn't agree with that more. Um, like you, like you said, there, it, this is such a team that's such an emotional team. Uh, it, 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 for better or for worse, that seems to be how the Petrino seasons have gone. It's, it's maddening at times. It's, it also makes it a, a worthwhile investment when it works out. But this team, if they, if there's any sort of bad loss to a team. It's losing to Idaho State the week before the most important game of the season, which inevitably makes this the most important game of the season. It's it's over if they lose this game. The season is is done. Uh, if they lose this game, they're going to get creamed by Eastern because realistically, they lose this game, and I think they're all aware. They as in the players, the the coaches. I think everybody's aware if they lose this game you're just playing for happy points. And at that point you're going to get steamrolled by a team like Eastern. That's still fighting for, for the playoffs and will probably still be fighting. Even if they lose to UC Davis, uh, you know, they're crazier things have happened. They're in a better spot than, than Idaho is at the moment, which is, is weird to say having beaten them. Um, NAU at the end of the season, whatever, if Idaho loses the next two games, they can always go into NAU. NAU is terrible, beat them and finish 500 and, maybe try to feel better at the end of the season, but this is, this is it. This game is everything. Everything is going to pivot on how they come out this game, a a close win where Idaho state comes away feeling like, well, you know, we, we missed a couple chances or Idaho escapes and thinks who can't play that poorly again. Then we might as well just, just call it a day. But if they can go out, like we've been saying for, I think, five, seven minutes now, if they can go out and absolutely demolish this ISU team and show we're the best team in Idaho, then there is there is a realistic chance that this team can go 5-1, and one, sneak into the, the, the playoffs, which, honestly, had you told me a, a year ago this team would be in the playoffs, I would, be, I would have told you, you know, there's a whole bunch of riverfront property in Nebraska I'd like to buy. Which gives us... Transition point, man, to the predictions. Boatman already gave his. He's picking Idaho 35-24. He likes the matchup better than Southern Utah. I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to like this matchup necessarily better than Southern Utah. I think it's real similar, but it, that's Boatman's take. We're not here to critique that. Uh, Chris picks Idaho State to win this game 30-28, to which if he were here, he would probably say – he'd be saying a version of what we've talked about of – while we might think we match up better with Idaho State, Idaho State's going to say, oh, yeah, we'd like to pass the ball. That's a fantastic matchup on, on Idaho's weakness, and it is hard to state how bad our secondary looked. It's hard to overstate how bad our secondary looked against Southern Utah. Boatman, what's your, what's your prediction on this? You're not Boatman, you're Dallas. Dallas, what's your prediction on this? Eh, tomato, potato, same thing, right? Uh so I actually have to side closer to Boatman here. I'm going to go with 37-27 Idaho. Um, I do think Idaho matches up better against Idaho State. Uh, maybe it's the homer in me. I'm, I believe Boatman that the players get up for this. I believe they're motivated to try to make something out of this crazy spring season. Um, but I, I, I take it back to the pass rush. I don't think Idaho State's going to put a lot of pressure on whoever is out at quarterback, uh, and Idaho somehow has started figuring out how to run the ball again. I think this team is starting to trend upward, and I just don't see Idaho State having the, the correct matchup. Now, like you said, so the secondary, that's terrifying. That is, Vanderwall could throw for 500 yards, and this could all just be looked at as Dallas, you're an idiot. <laughs> but I truly do think Idaho wins this by two scores. 
And when you say we figured out how to run rush plays, you mean just call rush? Yeah, I mean, and and call a rush without. We're gonna run it right behind the center for two yards, and then he's not gonna get any penetration. Just yeah, just yeah. So that's a whole. We could talk about that for three more hours if we really wanted to. Here's here's my key to the game that I I think is really gonna dictate how you feel about this game. Hayden Hatton surprisingly is the leading receiver in the entire Big Sky. Um. I say surprisingly because he was a he wasn't even a wide receiver for us last year. He was a tight end in 2019. Hayden Hatton averaging over 100 yards receiving per game. Control Haywood. People are Vandal fans are not shocked that he's top 10 in receiving the Big Sky. He's number 10. Between those two, that's 15 receptions per game and almost 200 receiving yards per game. And the reason I bring those two up is intermediate pass success is what we saw out of C.J. Jordan and Nikhil Nayar. Is that how you say it, Nayar? Radio sounds, we're looking up. I was uh, trying to find my mute button. Uh, Nayar, excuse me. Nikhil Nayar. Sorry, we said Nayar for so long. Nikhil Nayar. Intermediate pass success is really the difference that we saw between Nikhil, C.J., and Mike Beaudry's first couple games. If Beaudry is our starter and he can hit those intermediate passes, I wouldn't be shocked if Idaho capitalizes on, you know, some of what we saw against the Utah where we both feel like there's a world where Idaho wins that game by two scores. The reason I bring that up is we haven't seen Beaudry be, be particularly successful with the intermediate pass game yet. So fingers absolutely crossed if Beaudry is our starter that we can that we can exploit Idaho State in that in that world. What I think about Idaho after that filibuster Dallas is the transition point that this team is getting to is we are winning close games. And that's uh, compared to the last couple of years. Obviously that's a win. The asterisk I'm going to throw is I don't know if this team is good enough to win games by more than a score, which is to say, I, I still think there's some underperformance in this team that you wouldn't ascribe to like, you know, when Eastern Washington was winning the league a thousand times, like Weber state, even when they underperform, they still win and they only do it like in one game. I think Idaho truly does not have the ability to win games by very much, but I still am going to pick Idaho over Idaho state. I'm going to say 35, 31. I don't have faith in us to score much more than 35. That's just how Paul's teams have been. We, we don't, we are the lowest scoring team in the league heading into our last game. But I still, I think one of the things Bowman talked about with Idaho state is even in spite of playing this tough schedule, we saw this covering the basketball team a couple of years ago. When you lose close game after close game, it does wear on you. And at some point there's it, it transitions over to just losing. And I think Idaho state is treacherously close to that being where they're at. From here, we're going to pick the the other Big Sky games, Dallas. First, Eastern Washington. Idaho fans have to be Eastern fans this week, right? Eastern plays at UC Davis. This is a, a de facto playoff game as well. Yeah, I, I mean, for anybody that's that's not super caught up on the Big Sky, if UC Davis beats Eastern this weekend, there is virtually no chance for Idaho to get into the playoffs because UC Davis will have the head-to-head record. Something catastrophic would have to happen for them to to have Idaho win out and then pass UC Davis in the rankings. Just With 16 teams instead of 24 this season, it's probably not going to happen that the Big Sky gets three teams in. They're going to be lucky to get two in. So it's tough to say it. I know for a lot of people... Spoiler alert, I do actually like Eastern. Uh, my time in Spokane Media, they always treated me really well. Uh, their SID, Dave Cook, greatest guy in the world. Um, you got to be an Eastern fan this weekend um, because that's the only way that Idaho has any small sliver of a hope to make the postseason. Um, for me, I'm picking Eastern. I think that they're starting to click. The The guys are getting healthier. I don't think they're going to have the drops issue that plagued them against Idaho. Uh, I, I, I'm picking Eastern this weekend. And maybe that's just hope, but I'm, I'm picking Eastern. I'm picking Eastern as well. One, they got the tune-up game against Cal Poly. And it was after that game that Cal Poly Mercy ruled themselves for the rest of the season. The second, 
I, I think the kind of public adversity Eastern's going through is going to be positive for the team in terms of having kind of the binding force. And look, Cal, UC Davis is strong, no question, but they, they have this kind of weird ceiling of they actually don't score that well relative to a Dan Hawkins team. I'm going to like write off beating Cal Poly by a basketball score. Otherwise, pretty, you know, 27 points in a win against us where they only punted twice. And then against Idaho State, they only scored 31, which I mean, that's not awful. But I, I think you have to score a good amount to beat Eastern Washington other than our first weird game of the year. So I'm picking Eastern Washington. Your favorite rivalry game in the Big Sky, Weber State at Southern Utah. So real quick, I want to jump in and just say that Boatman and Chris also picked Eastern as well. So everybody on the Tubbs team is picking Eastern. Um, but Weber State at Southern Utah, I mean, let me put it this way. Uh, one team has lost three games and only beaten Cal Poly. Uh, the other team is one of the top five teams in the nation, regardless of what happened last week. Uh, that's just me filibustering to say Weber. Uh, absolutely going to be Weber. This is going to be the get right game for them. They're going to beat the shit out of Southern Utah. I don't know if they'll beat the shit because Randall Johnson is going to be their quarterback again. Jay Hill teams, they have an unbelievably high floor, as in even when they aren't scoring, they still win. And Jay Hill doesn't actually care if his team doesn't score very well. But I, I don't think they're going to get a bunch of points off turnovers against Southern Utah. I don't think that um, Southern Utah is going to be dumb enough to kick it to Rashid Shahid like Northern Arizona was. So I expect it to be relatively respectful, but I'm picking Weber State as well. And Chris wants us to reference this, so I'm fine doing this. NAU versus Coward Poly. Chris is picking NAU. Now, Cal Poly has called it quits, but he wanted to go on the record that he's taking NAU. Mike question Dallas the fact that Cal Poly's not playing does that change what your score prediction would have been um ooh no probably not i don't know na's defense is really bad cal poly might have been able to get into the 30s it might have been like 65 30 like it, there there could have been a chance that they weren't going to get doubled up um to quickly backtrack chris picked weber boltman is picking weber but does think suu covers Thank God you're here. I would have missed those again. <laughs> From the Cal Poly NAU game, I'm just going to say I am so damn happy that we got CJ Jordan and that Cal Poly got Hunter Riquet instead of having that will be rotated where there's absolutely a, a, a future where that could have happened. Idaho was recruiting Hunter Riquet as well. Cal Poly recruited CJ Jordan after he signed here. Didn't work out for Bo Baldwin, which is our win. One of the first times something didn't work out for Bo Baldwin. So, hey, we'll pat ourselves on the back for that. FCS games, you pay attention to anything. I'm, I'm already an outspoken big sky supremacist. So other than Idaho, I'm paying attention to Eastern UC Davis. I don't think there's another game Idaho fans should give a shit about other than who were Idaho State and then the playoff, de facto playoff game between Eastern and Davis. You What, what about uh, other FCS games, Dallas? I mean, that's if you're paying attention to something else, uh, kickoff for Eastern UC Davis is two hours before Idaho. That's that's the game because, again, Idaho's fate is not just in their hands, it's in Eastern's hands. Uh, but if you were, you were curious across the big sky or across the, the nation, uh, James Madison and Richmond, number one versus number 15, two undefeated teams, that's probably the best game of the week outside of the Eastern UC Davis era. Yeah, number one versus number five sounds okay. Uh, sorry, 15. That's my bad. No, one versus 15. But okay, still. whatever. Close enough. It's a top two top 15 teams playing, but still, uh, I'm watching Eastern UC Davis. You're just not going to, other than paying attention to Idaho, you will not sell me on anything. So Idaho has to have Eastern win this game. And we have to have, we have to have Eastern look strong heading into our matchup and then pull off a win for us to have a, a realistic shot at the playoffs in my mind. And Chris is bringing up, hey, James Madison, Richmond. He also says, um, South Dakota State, North Dakota State. Last I heard, I thought South Dakota State, North Dakota State was delayed for COVID purposes. I'm saying that because I saw Matthew Frazee's Twitter say he rescheduled on uh, Jack's Illustrated. But you know what? Chris knows that more, more than I do. I'm going to talk about something I do know a little bit. We have a little bit of basketball news in the Big Sky, Dallas. Basketball news being. Big Sky's got 36 players in the transfer portal right now from the men's side. 
Now, we, we already talked about the Idaho news. We have seven or eight, depending on how you want to count, Chance Garvin players in the transfer portal. Scott Blakeney is kind of a loss because uh, he's a good player, but otherwise, th- this is not losses for Idaho whatsoever. But Eastern Washington lost both the Groves brothers. Tanner Groves was the base guy player of the year. Would have been coming back as a junior next year. NAU just lost Cam Shelton. He's transferring to Loyola Marymount. Cam Shelton was the the top scoring guard in the entire league. I have a question for you, Dallas. The some of the some of the stories about that have been coming about about the transfer portal in the Big Sky. It's kind of been the sky is falling. Of there's 36 players. The Big Sky is just going to be a farm system. This is what we're going to have to get used to. Obviously, I'm framing this as I don't buy it completely. Do you buy that 36 players in the transfer portal from the big sky means the sky is falling? Not at all. Um, This this is a consequence, whether intended or unintended, of giving everybody a free year. This is going to happen. Uh, It's not just happening in the big sky. There are kids all across the country in almost every conference. They are filling the transfer portal with with people looking to get better minutes or play at a better school it's just it's going to happen where everybody's got this free year of eligibility it's just going to happen uh while yes it's terrifying that there's a bunch of people looking to leave the big sky because spoiler alert it's one of the worst conferences you can be in for basketball uh you're not going to get two teams in the team you get in is going to be uh 14, 15, or 16 most of the time. I don't remember the last time there was anybody past a 12. Like, it's just, it's not going to happen. So you have kids looking to better themselves. And I can't hate on that, um, probably because as an Idaho fan, I'm looking at it as like, cool, new team. Maybe they'll win more than one game. But this is happening everywhere. It's it's a consequence of the NCAA giving everybody a free year and Honestly, the more concerning thing is the NCAA's Supreme Court case and what's going to happen with amateurism and all of this going to look in five years, not the transfer portal right now. It's it, it's happening everywhere. It's not a big deal. I'm with you on this isn't a big deal. Now, I, I do think the you know proposed NCAA rule to give players uh, one-year freebie transfer where there's no penalty for transferring once that might have lingering impacts in the big sky for sure. What I'm going to look at here is where are the difference makers transferring from and why are they transferring? Because we already covered Idaho. You have to be happy that we have a ton of guys transferring. We were one of the worst basketball teams I will ever see. So in the narrow world of Idaho Vandal athletics, we should be ecstatic that that many players are potentially wanting to transfer because that gives us a better shot at being next year's Weber State, where Weber State draft, they didn't draft, they, they had a ton of transfers come in this last season, and they went from one of the worst teams in the league to one of the best teams in the league, and they have everyone but Isaiah Brown coming back. So not only did they benefit from the transfer portal, but they retained players. Southern Utah has retained their their best players who are still coming back. They haven't left. Idaho State has their best players, like Tariq Cool. He's coming back for a fifth year. He's taking advantage of that freebie extra year of eligibility. He's not transferring, going somewhere else. He he wants to stay in Pocatello. So there's absolutely good players who are staying put. Eastern Washington is turning over coaches at the same time that they have what appears to be institutional instability. How much instability is real versus smoke of players transferring after Shantae Leggins took the job in Portland? And realistically, we all think Shantae Leggins probably recruited some of the Eastern guys who've declared for the Portland for the portal. So if you subtract Shantae, if he's back in Eastern next, next season, instead of at Portland, maybe the Groves brothers, because they got some national notoriety are in the transfer portal. We're not going to tell him Michael Meadows averaged 11 points a game in the big sky. He doesn't have a bunch of power five offers knocking on his door. You're not going to tell me Robertson for Eastern Washington, the big sky sixth man of the year. You're not telling me that Power Five conferences are scouring the big sky for players that don't even start. Now, I, I think the difference makers are coming from Eastern, who are likely being recruited by Shantae. And then at Northern Arizona, they had the same dynamic as we had a couple years ago. They had an all big sky guard in Camp Shelton for us as Trayvon. Trayvon happened to be a senior when he popped and had his big season. Cam is a junior. 
So he's just fleeing a situation that doesn't look that great. He already averaged 20 points a game, made first team all big sky. I wouldn't be floored if we live in a different world, if Trayvon had blown up as a junior, if he looked at transferring out. And I wouldn't argue with him because I'm going to guess Cam's looking at what NAU has. And he thinks, look, I've done all I can here. If we were competing for a tournament spot, yeah, I'd stay, but we're not. So I'm going to enjoy my last couple of years. Plus he transferred to a California school from California. So you subtract those difference makers and it's all just guys who aren't really playing that much. So to me, yeah, it's weird having that volume of guys transfer, but also the Dallas, we have 36 who've declared. Well, if you divide the number of declared transfers by leagues, it's 32 per league is the average. So we're just barely above average, aren't we? Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. It's This is just going to happen. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, man. And you know what? We could keep going, but we're alleged to be trying to keep these under an hour, and we already failed. So we're going to close the bar. Thank you, Hughes River Expedition, for sponsoring us. If you are looking for a great, all-inclusive, week-long vacation, don't look, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States, located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of no return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway, and you can even check out our special trips like the one to see the Perside Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river, and fish on the most remote stretches of, of river in the country. You just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Dallas, the bar is closed, but before you uh, wander out, you have any rants you want to scream at the bartender? Rants. Nothing that's Idaho-related. Let me put it that way. No, I think I think I'm good this week. You don't want to bring up that Eastern Washington just canned their coach after two after uh, 10 wins in two seasons, oh, and apparently we that's go. Uh, Brian, you're killing me. So anybody that is wondering, here we go. I apologize. I'm going to get real heated and probably get real profane. So if you've got kids, here's the, uh, I don't know, 10 seconds I'll give you before I start swearing like a motherfucker. Uh, there it is. Sorry. It was way less than 10 seconds. Uh, Wendy Schuler the longtime coach of Eastern Washington women's basketball, uh, seriously, 20 seasons there. Uh, they've never been particularly good. They've gone to a couple uh, women's NITs, but they've never been like a, a powerhouse. They're not a team that's consistently winning the conference every single year. Uh, they parted ways after her last two seasons where she won 10 games in two years. Um, apparently, 10 games in two years, is what gets you fired when you're not in the state of Idaho. Uh, for Zach Kloss, it's, hey, let's bring you back and have you try a third time. Why not? It's it's devastating to me, to me to see a team like Eastern Washington's women's basketball decide, hmm, she's not winning enough. It's time to move on. Eastern is like on fire from what people are assuming they're talking about dropping all the way down to what NAIA or whatever bullshit is, is going across the world right now. I don't think any of that's real. I think it's all just smoke. They're going to stick in the FCS. They're going to stick in the big sky, but if they're having institutional problems and they're talking about, let's get rid of this coach because we need to improve. Why the hell are we not doing that? Sorry. There's my rant. No, I'll piggyback off that. We might as well talk about Eastern for a second. I think that a little bit of their situation is overblown in that Shantae Leggins leaving. And ha- and again, I have no problem saying this. Look, the Eagle Power Hour guys say this. Shantae's recruiting the guys who are in the transfer portal. He was, we all know he talked to Portland before he said he was taking the job. We know that overtly or covertly, there've been way- there are ways to influence guys, let's say. And Shantae has probably been doing that from the day he knew he was taking the Portland job because Portland has been an awful basketball school. And if he's going to make it work, he needs to improve it almost immediately. Subtract that 
And what you have is some women's basketball players who left, but hey, their team just sucked. We had a ton of, of guys leave from our team that's terrible, so that's not necessarily bad news. Chris Ojo from the uh, – he's, he's a strong defense player from Eastern, transfer from University of Washington. He just declared from the transfer portal. But and that that's a guy. If you subtract the basketball guys from the, a coach shifting over and then a football guy, it's actually not that big a deal. Other than that, it's just media figures who are relatively influential making a big deal, like Dennis Patchen, who brought it up. Hey, we like Dennis Patchen. We want him back on again. Um, you know, he he was kind of sounding alarm about Eastern. Sean Vessel from Spokes and Review is actually one of the forces trying to bring Eastern into a lower subdivision. But um, honestly, I don't think it's going to be that big a deal ultimately. They're still going to play in Bruce Field. It's still going to be half a field, but they're still going to be FCS. They still have the most big sky football championships in the last decade, six. They're going to be fine. It's just a lot of a lot of ugly headlines, and now they have a new basketball coach. Honestly, if this were Idaho with the instability, I'd expect we'd say, no, we got to hold on to a coach for you know for the perception of being held together. But Eastern's AD is going a different direction. And, hey, uh, look, we got to commend. We, you already talked, Alice, about, hey, if people are trying to better themselves by transferring, congratulations. Uh, you know, we wish them the best. Uh, we're going we're gonna to say that I think Lynn Hickey is actually being relatively brave of being willing to add to a bad headline because she probably just doesn't think, hey, this is actually not a big deal. This is just a lot of people talking. When the smoke clears, we're going to be playing exactly the way we used to, and we're going to follow the recommendations of the Pictor report, which is just, hey, we got to get alums to donate a little bit more money. And other than that, Dallas, and that's where I think Houston truly is. Before we close it down officially, you have any anything you want to piggyback off that? Nope. That uh, I got my my steam blown off. Uh, you put it more eloquently and smarter than I did. I think we're in a good space. Okay. Well, we don't have much else to add except that recording should be pretty quick after the game uh, against Idaho state, because it's, since it's not a home game, we have almost no logistics to figure out. So probably about 30 ish minutes after Idaho, Idaho state gets over. We'll have our instant reaction show. Everyone knows where to find you at hammer Dallas. You know where to find me at Brian Marceau. You can find boatman at, at boatman, Alex. You can find Chris at, at, at Chris underscore P underscore Hammond. And I think it's time to close the bar, dude. And it's time for yep. the best band in all the land, courtesy of Martin with these videos, to play us out, Sound of Idaho, go Vandals. Go Vandals. If you're in Pocatello, make sure to be looking for Chris Hammond. Get him some Montuckies. <laughs>